Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu and your host of the show. And today I'm here with Melanie Meyer. She and her husband run an EXP team. Is that right? You guys are married, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're married. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your team? How many agents you have, your volume, stuff like that? They're based up in Canada, Calgary, I believe. And just in that mode of growing in a, in a market, you know, that's declining. So super fun to see anytime I get an opportunity, I meet with a lot of CSU teams and I get to see how many of them are actually increasing their business, even though the real estate industry as a whole is declining as far as number of transactions. And so I think we are at about a 40% decline this year so far in number of agents out there. And what's happening is the uh, agents that are around, even a lot of them that that used to do really well on their own are now moving over to teams like Melanie's. So anyway, Melanie, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. It's super exciting to be here. Yeah, we're actually in Southern Alberta. So we're about 45 minutes from the Montana border. Okay. And our main office where we started was in Lethbridge, Alberta. It's a population of about 100,000. Our average price point is around 300. And we moved down into Medicine Hat about six years ago. I'm originally from Medicine Hat. That's where my family is. And since we were there all the time, we thought, well, why don't we just start a team up in Medicine Hat that's two hours away? So that's been running. And we just opened up our Calgary markets a year ago. We had somebody approach us that wanted to join the team and she was a great leader. And so we've started a team there. We're up to 50 agents between all three cities and uh, continuing to grow. So the Calgary team is the one that we're going to start growing the most just because it's got a larger population of over a million people. Medicine Hat sitting at about 60,000. Okay. So you've got a population of 60,000, 100,000 and a million. So it's fun to see. It's fun to see people like you guys who are now building these expansion teams across, I want to say across the country, but across your country. But what do you think the key to you guys being able to grow in this down market has been? We haven't seen the same turmoil that America has seen being in in Canada, we have a bit more of a roller coaster. When Courtney got into the industry about 13 years ago, he had just hit missed that boom and went right into that slagging market. So we're used to a buyer's market. We had our first seller's market during COVID. For our entire time with being in real estate, it was our first time where we had like easy real estate to say it that way. And So this isn't really a change for us. This is where we're somewhat comfortable. We're used to the grind. We're used to the prospecting. We're used to having to do things a little bit harder in order to keep our volume up and to retain and attract agents. So you guys have been in the business how long now? 13 years. Okay. Yeah. So So... we started on a team. He had a full-time job at the university here. And, you know, something happened with his boss where he was like, I'm never going to work for anybody again. 
he left that, went to a team in real estate, and then eventually just started his own team. I've always been in the background doing operations. So he, you know, he does the agent side of things and I do the system and administration side of things working on ops, but we do work closely together to have, you know, the same type of growth mindsets, community, and just where we want to go. Yeah. We just work differently. So Courtney's the public figure. He's the face of the company. He does the recruiting, I'm guessing, as well as the training of agents, holding them accountable, all that stuff. Is that correct? Or do you guys have a separate recruiter in your business? No. So we run things through uh, Wise Hire. And so he'll do information sessions. And, you know, like a lot of people that are in sales, it's, you know, they talk about a lot, they get really excited. And so a lot of times if he's meeting with people, you know, they'll tell him what they want to hear. So our recruitment process is actually where they come to me as a secondary. So they'll meet with Courtney, he'll get them fired up and then they'll be directed to attend one of our trainings to see if it's a good fit. And then they'll reach out to me. I'll meet with them and invite some of our agents to meet the person as well. And if they feel like they're going to be a good fit, then we'll invite them into the team. If they don't feel like they're going to be a good fit, you know, one of the great things about EXP and real is that you can just maybe work with them on the side, doing independent and helping them succeed there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So, so some of the people you'll bring in, you'll bring them to EXP, to your brokerage, you'll help them there. Some of them are a better fit for your team and you'll, you'll give them far more support because they're in your team. Yeah, exactly. What we've learned is that if somebody comes, I'm sure you found this too. If somebody comes for money, they'll leave for money. If they come in talking poorly about their primary relationship, they'll talk poorly about the team. And so we'll typically just slide those people over into independent versus team. Totally makes sense. Yes. Okay. So you're over systems then. You handle the systems, technology, the operations, marketing, it sounds like probably. Tell me what you're over. Yeah. So Courtney and I share marketing. So he's really good at the tech stuff, right? So in terms of how things should look, what it should do, what he should say and the content that gets put out there, like he's excellent at that. I'm really good at branding. And so, you know, we went through a rebrand when we went from, you know, Atkinson Associates with Century 21 to Atkinson Associates Realty to Atkinson Realty to Atkinson team at eXp. I kind of stepped in about, you know, five years ago or so and shifted what the brand was and developed a mission statement, a vision statement that was a reflection of who we were as people. And, you know, one of the things with teams is like, it's great having a team, but we didn't want the competition. We didn't want agents to be side-eyeing each other or being aggressive with one another. And so when we made the decision to like rebrand in a sense with like, we are community builders, what that did is we're constantly talking about we you know, we're not I. So if you have an agent on the team, you know, it's like make your prospecting calls. If you can't work that lead, then put it back because you don't want to take it from another agent who is looking for that opportunity. You know, so I'd say like one of my biggest contributions within the team has been that that rebrand of what it is that we stand for as people, as a team, as community members as a whole. Okay. So just out of curiosity, you came into the business, Courtney had been in the business 13 years. You've now been in the business five years. You jumped into the business. What is your background prior to to joining into real estate? Yeah. So I've always kind of helped him behind the scenes administrative wise. Like when he had started his team, I was lucky enough to have a position with a private vocational college where I could work anywhere I wanted. 
And so I would sit at the office and work on my stuff while he was in real estate. So I could oversee the administration in that sense. Once we had our second child, we made the decision that's just easier for us to be all in. And so it was about seven years ago now where we made the decision for me to be full-time. I dropped my high-paying corporate job to be in this 100%. Both of us all in with the flexibility with the kids and whatnot. It was just, you know, it's very fulfilling that way. Now, instead of a high-paying corporate job, you have a higher-paying real estate business. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, and, you know, if you can work with your spouse and get along, it's super rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. So before that, I was a regional director for a private vocational college. It was across Canada. The person that I worked for, he has 43 campuses across Canada. And so I was doing the like academics, um, liaisoning with the government bodies and whatnot, working operations with the campus directors and whatnot, doing audits and all that stuff, which, you know, if we would have had a CSU in that type of world, it would have been way easier. But, you know, it was a lot of paperwork and manual audits at that time to get a sense of where the business was. And even with the real estate team, you know, coming in here and trying to do a sense of where we were in the business, this has been really helpful with doing that without me having to go to a bunch of different places. So we'll come back to CISU and how you benefit from that in a minute. But I want to go back to, you mentioned just if you can work with your husband. And I think that's a big if, because a lot of people have a hard time working together, but there are so many people in this industry that are husband and wife teams. What advice do you have there? Like what has helped you guys be successful and not just successful as a business, but successful as a couple in your personal relationship? How do you keep those separated and keep that positive? Because I, I can see that going both ways. Yeah. And I'm sure you and Spring would be the same way, right? You're working so closely together. One of the things that was wicked helpful for us was, you know, staying in our own lanes. So clearly identified roles. If I wanted to go into his lane, I mentioned it first, you know, I'll ask permission to talk to an agent about something. If it's, you know, within his realm, he'll do the same with the admin team, right? If he has any issues with an admin person, he'll ask permission to go and talk to that person just so that we're always on the same page. And oftentimes he'll just take it and talk to the agent and I'll take it and talk to the admin person. So setting those boundaries, setting those lanes. And then he wakes up really early in the morning. Like He just needs to be awake earlier to get his mind ready for the day, right? He's a trainer, he's a coach, he's a mentor. So he really needs to fire people up. Yeah. And when I wake up at six, he's already been up like since four. So he's had two hours of work and it was really hard on us when he would just come in and start talking to me about work when I just woke up. So we established that timeline of like, if you want to talk about work outside of work hours, we ask permission, like, is this a good time to discuss X, Y, Z? And we just do that for each other so that I'm not feeling like it's a problem is constantly being pushed on me when I'm just waking up. And we're able to maintain a relationship that way. That's a great idea. I mean, Spring and I are not in the same business. She has her business. I have my business. We talk to each other, give each other recommendations and ask each other for advice. But it's a little bit different because when I was in Spring's business, we certainly had our challenges where I did not want to work at the office when she was at the office. It just, I wanted that separation. So yeah. And I can't say it was like a hundred percent smooth from the get-go. Like we went through a lot of learning on what works and what doesn't work. We hired a relationship coach. So Dr. Kelly Flanagan, we work with him. And so we'll 
have a chat and he'll just work us through some of our issues and have better communication. And he's been wonderful too. So I, I think, you know, there's no shame in having support. And Where's having- he based? I know that name, but uh, is he in Canada? No, he's not in Canada. I believe he's out of, I'm not so great with geography in the States. He's near Chicago. So okay. he's, he's in a, a suburb of Chicago. Uh, he works with a lot of people in GoBundance. Are you guys in GoBundance? We were in GoBundance. Okay. So Courtney was in GoBundance. Okay, great. Yeah. I got to go to, Brett Jennings invited me to a GoBundance ski event in Park City last year. Mm. And I got to meet a lot of great people. There's a lot of great people in that, so... Yeah. And it's a great organization. Courtney was in there for probably about five or six years. Awesome. Okay. You brought up CISU. You said if they would have had CISU in in that previous system you were in with the vocational colleges, it would have made a difference. Like what has CISU, what kind of impact has CISU had on your business in real estate? Well, even just with the transaction coordination, right? Oftentimes, you know, a lot of our coaching clients will go through a transitionary period where they've lost their admin person or they're getting rid of their admin person. And without a system like CSU, it's a little bit difficult to know where things are or where they're going to be. So with us having like our entire processes uploaded into CSU, if somebody is sick, if somebody leaves, we can go in, take a look at where it's at. And even just to like for the agents, you know, identifying their conversion ratios on prospecting to appointments met to deals closed. It's awesome to get a sense of where the agent is falling down and how we can help support them, right? Because if they're converting super well on the phones, but then losing the buyer's agency agreement, for example, it's good to know that information because you can sit down and train them the way you need to train them so that they're successful. Otherwise, you're just sort of trying to figure it out. One of the things that we also do here is, you know, Courtney will pull calls, right? So we use Sierra. He'll listen to the calls if somebody asks them to, and he can dissect that call and help them with their conversion rate. If they're having issues with, you know, a listing, then we'll sit them down and, you know, he'll go through the listing process with them to, to get that closing ratio up. So it just gives you a, a better idea, a transparent view of your systems your transactions, where your agents are landing and help them stay motivated to close those rings. So Courtney is focused on managing the sales team. He knows their conversion ratios from CSU. He'll then go in and listen in Sierra and make sure that they're basically having the script or help them with their conversations so they can do a better job on those conversion ratios where they're weak and make sure the, the circles are filled up, which essentially means they're on top of their activities, which all those lead measures in order to to get more production out of them. You, on the other hand, you're focused on the operational side, managing all of your contract to close processes, listing to under contract processes out of CSU. Is that correct? Well, I've got somebody that does that, right? So our client care team will do that. And I've found it useful to be able to pop in and see where we're at with something. And also the time saving and the money saving. And when it comes to automating, you know, when your photographer gets sent out, when signs need to get picked up, up until you know, CSU, it was all done just by WhatsApp. We use WhatsApp quite a bit, but with having it in one place, it's fantastic for agents to be able to go in and see where that is in the process, but also for us to know when something's going to be complete, when it's scheduled for and all that. And you guys, you guys have automated it. So it's all the photography, everything's happening, happening based on an automation saying, 
X number of days after I go under contract or X number of days before closing or whatever, that's when something happens and it's all automated. Is that correct? So what we'll have is our client care will actually go in and task it to somebody. Okay. Task it to our sign guy, you know, because we, we run the team, the agents don't have to do anything but prospect and close deals. So in terms of client gifts, you know, when we have a buyer that purchases a house, we have a painting of that house done by a local artist. And so she would get a notification that this is ready to go. So she knows to go in and get the picture and upload it and to do the painting. That's a cool uh, closing gift. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it there. She's amazing. April Matisse. She's our local artist here and she's done for us probably over a thousand paintings of houses. Wow. Yeah. And we've got a local potter here who does platters that are branded and logoed that we get filled with local ingredients in each market from local stores. So how, how many people do you have on your admin team? If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. I would say, so we've got two photographers, three client care, project manager, another project manager that's going to be starting in the fall. And... So a client care, when you say client care, what do they do? So you would probably notice a transaction coordinator. A transaction coordinator. Okay. Yeah. So three transaction coordinators. Yeah. We're we're fairly deliberate with what our naming conventions, right? So our database manager, he's considered part of admin. Like we call him our relationship manager. Yeah. Right? Because really what they're doing is managing relationships with the agents in their database and people that he's calling. And then we've got uh, marketing, a marketing person. So I've actually never spent the time to tally it up, probably between 10, like including photographers. And we've got two people that do signs and pickups in each center. In Calgary, it's a bit different. We'll just, there's companies, right? Lethbridge and Medicine are a bit smaller. So we don't have the same type of businesses that will put signs up for, for us, right? Whereas Calgary, we just have a company out there that does it. Yeah, makes sense. Somebody. So you have 50 agents between the three locations now. How many of those are in Calgary? Because I know it's brand new to you guys. Yeah, I would say we've got about 10 agents in Calgary right now. Okay. So with that, how many on the real estate side, how many transactions will you guys do with that admin team you just shared? Over 600. Okay. Yeah. So you guys are doing over, over 600 transactions a year. That's a massive team. It's a massive amount to do in this market. Where were you guys at last year? Just out of curiosity. We were over 600, so we'll probably match what we did last year to this okay. year. Probably do a little bit more. Yeah, it's it's been good. Like our market is like we're used to this market, right? Like we're used to this yeah. market. And so what we're finding is a lot of people drop off because of, you know, like if they started in the real estate industry when it was like really busy in 2020, now that it's getting a little bit slower, they haven't developed the habits. It's just harder to get into those habits now and harder to get into that mindset of success. And we're just very fortunate where, you know, Courtney's all about mindset, abundance, success. He actually talked to our agents in August and said, listen, this market coming up is going to drop. You need to start getting into better habits now if you want to make it. Yeah. And he forecasted that. And, and, then we and he, he got their activities up before the market came down, which more activities equals keeping them steady, right? Right. 
Yeah. You know, and then we implemented GGMS on Sierra. So we just rolled that out in January. And that just gives the agents a little bit of a a bump in terms of like who to call, what to say, what to do. So that's been really. So you mentioned coaching earlier. I know Courtney is coaching your agents. Does he coach be outside of your company as well? Or is that just coaching within your company? So we have both. So we have a separate real estate company or a separate company called Real Estate Growth Solutions. And it's myself, Courtney, and one of our top producers, Ryan Weary. And so Courtney will coach team leaders. I coach operations and systems, their admin people. And then Ryan Weary will coach to the the top producing agents. So he's more of an independent agent coach. Courtney does team lead. And then I kind of fill in that gap for systems. There's really only like one other ops-based coaching platform in in North America that I know of for real estate. And so that's where I just kind of come in. I'm not advertised as much because my coaching clients are typically coming from a feeder system with Courtney and Ryan. If they have an, an agent or a, yeah, like a team lead or an agent that needs help, then I'll step yeah. up and, help and walk them through processes, onboarding. That's a big one, right? So we use Go High Level. So we've created courses for bootcamp where we've got tons of videos and assessments. And so everybody can run through that. We sell that to our coaching clients so that they don't have to build their own. And we put our own agents through it as well. Okay. So it's the true, when an agent is getting onboarded, it's truly, here's here's the training curriculum you need to go through. Basically an LMS that they're going through getting trained as a new agent. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. And then we run, we run a lot of training. So we've got three hours of training for just our team on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then we've got open training at it'd be 11 mountain standard time for our coaching clients and our team. And so with that, like on Tuesday, Ryan will do live dials. He'll actually go into the CRM and usually call Fizbo's and live dial that and set an appointment. So you can listen live to him setting appointments, what he says. And then Wednesdays with working with buyers, Thursdays is working with sellers. The team ones on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays at 10 Mountain Standard Time, they're going through pretty low level entry level real estate questions to get them trained up fairly quickly. Okay. So if I wanted to learn more about your coaching company, where do I go to learn more about your coaching company? Realestategrowthsolutions.com. Okay. Yeah. And we've got a Facebook page too. It's real estate growth community that we throw things into. Okay. So everyone that's realestategrowthsolutions.com, coaching on team leaders, coaching on systems, as well as coaching on stuff for agents and scripting and how to actually get on and set appointments. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. And everything in between. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ryan Weary, he's been with us for been on the team for about five years or so and he was working part-time and this is the kind of guy Ryan Weary is he called and he said to Courtney listen I want to make more money and Courtney said well you got to let go of your job man like just quit your job and he called back 10 minutes later and he said done quit it I'm all in and working part-time he was doing 50 transactions like as a part-time agent he did 50 transactions then he went full-time he's doing between 70 and 80 and he still was like I want more I want more And so we brought him into the coaching company and he's a fantastic trainer and a stellar human being. Yeah. Sounds like, sounds like talent for sure. So congratulations to you guys, not only for hiring him and getting him to quit his job, 
so he could actually make real money, but also giving him an opportunity to grow with you guys. I think that's a problem with a lot of teams is they don't give people the ability to grow with them. So sometimes people feel like, oh, when I get to a certain point, I'm going to leave this team. But as a team leader, I think one of our biggest challenges is, and I say ours, and I'm not a team leader, but I, I live with a team leader. So, but definitely I think one of the biggest challenges is making sure that you are growing and making sure the business is growing at a rate that it creates opportunities for your people to grow within it. Yeah, we're so fortunate that people continue to choose us. Our retention is is pretty high. You know, they know that they could go somewhere else and perhaps have cheaper splits. But, you know, in the end, they continue to choose us. They continue to grow. And, you know, we're growing as much as they're growing. Like, we're just all growing together. We're yeah. not perfect. And so we learn a lot just from learning from them. You know, I would say when we tell people that they're joining the team, you know, our priorities are you take care of yourself first, take care of your family, take care of your friends, take care of your clients, you know, because if you're taking care of all those people first, then, you know, everything else is going to flow. Right. And I would actually say the team would probably be number three. So take care of yourself, take care of your friends and family, and then take care of your team. And then that helps you better take care of your clients. Yeah, that's great. So if you were to give any advice to, before we change topics here, if you were to give any advice to a, a team leader or an ops leader out there, like what what is the most important thing they could be doing in today's real estate economy? I would say like, is it working? Like, are your conversations working? Are you prospecting enough? Like, it's really easy to sit back and just wait for the business to happen, but you have to get on the phones and make those calls. And if your closing isn't high, like what are those conversations like, are you showing enough value to the lead that they want to work with you or get, are you getting them to know, like, and trust you? You know, we train where we're not just getting on the phone and being like, oh, hey, is this Brian? You're looking to sell a house or you do want to buy a house? You know, the conversation conversation starts a little bit different. Like what, what has you making a move? Like, what can we do to support you? Oh, are you, you know, you're going through a divorce and holding space for that and not just jumping to a close but actually caring about people, showing them the value and that you're not there just to help them buy or sell a house, but on a journey for some transitionary period in their life that they're trying to achieve. I love that you shared that actual caring about people because I know that's something you care about. So in these last few minutes, I know you have a very strong passion about um, protecting children and people who have been sexually abused. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah, for sure. So how did you get into this passion and how did this become a thing for you? And I should point out, you are a director for this. The Chinook Sexual Assault Center in. Say that one more time. The Chinook Sexual Assault Center. Center. Yeah. Okay. So tell me more about that. Yeah. So I was sexually abused by a stepfather of mine when I was very young, like and it's hard to say years because it's not like you can ask these your parents about this stuff, right? Because they carry a bit of guilt about it. I would say it was probably between the ages of like three and six, three and seven. And when my mom found out, she took me to, well, to the social worker. And that room was a mahogany room. It was dark. The lady that I was talking to, you know, I didn't know her at all. She was an older lady sat me down, handed me two dolls and was like, show me where he touched you. Tell me what he did. Right. That was my experience. 
So I walked out of that being, you know, a kid and said, I am never going there again. I don't want to be there. And, you know, once you're sexually abused at that age, it just becomes easier to get sexually abused as you get older. And which is what ultimately happened, right? You know, you, you have a hard time saying no, you just go into like a mode where you just, you just stop yourself from feeling. So what the child and youth advocacy centers do, and there's a few in Alberta, they have a beautiful building. They have people that are trained to deal with uh, childhood sexual abuse, and they will give them a stuffy that they can take with them. They don't just go right into like, show me how he touched you. You tell your story once, and then they will take that story and give it to the the courts so that you're not actually sitting in a courthouse being grilled by somebody. They take that story for you and share it with the courthouse. And so the rates of people getting convicted with childhood abuse are greater when the child goes through this. They come out healthier, less trauma, there's more conviction rates, and the likelihood of them getting sexually abused is probably going to drop because you get the skills to say no. You just find a bit of a voice. And I would say I didn't find a voice until I was, you know, in my 20s or 30s. And even now, you know, when I was walking down the street, if somebody was following me, you know, being taught to be polite, I would just never think about crossing the street because it's more important to me to remain polite and not show that I was offending that person behind me than it was to be safe for myself. Whereas once I had that mind shift, like I'll cross the street. Like I owe everything to me and my family. I owe nothing to the person that's behind me creeping me out. So that's yeah. that's been a big thing. So a, a massive believer in the child and youth advocacy centers. They're unbelievable people that work there. The board of directors, you know, they're in the same mindset of protecting vulnerable populations and giving their time. So it sounds yeah. like that's having a massive impact on these children and families and people. I mean, this is people all ages, as we know. So um, yeah. but the fact that the way they share that to the courts, I think that's a genius idea. Yeah. And um, one of the other things that I didn't even realize until recently, like I was in my 40s when I found out that my parents thought that this molestation happened once. So the guy that molested me, my ex stepdad, he got one week in jail and that was it. Because my family thought it only happened that one time, but it happened like for like weekly, if not daily for years. And they just learned that. But if there's wow. a child and youth advocacy center, then they would have just asked a bit more questions. They just would have been on the ball a bit more. Right. So I think it was a bit of a shock to my parents. I just assumed that they figured the extent of it. And so it was a bit of an eye opener for both of us. And it just pushed me even more forward into wanting to see more of these child and youth advocacy center getting you know, set up. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's amazing. And uh, thank you for, for just going all in and making a difference in other people's lives based on what's happened in yours. That says a lot about who you are as a person. Is there anything people can do listening to this podcast to help with this advocacy center? Well, I would say if you were to look in your own city or state, even if you just looked in child and youth advocacy center or reached out to a sexual assault center and donate money, a lot of times the money will go towards hiring staff, psychologists, counselors to deal with, to work with the children. Even something as simple as like we've dropped off a lot of stuffies to the center so that when the child comes in to have the interview, 
they get something that's reassuring and they leave with that same thing. So it's not a terrible experience where they're handed this doll. They're handed something that they can have a good feeling about, some strength from. Uh, so, you know, that's only $20 to yeah. just swap off a stuffy. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And thank you for being on the show today, Melanie. It's great getting to know you better. And congratulations on all of the success you guys continue to have, even though it's a more challenging market for those in the US. For you guys, it sounds like it's always a challenging market. Yep. And I believe, are you going to be at the EXP con coming up in Canada? Yeah, Courtney's actually speaking at it. So okay. he'll be so, there. So uh, that's good to know. There's a chance I may be there as well. So if so, I'll let you guys know and we'll spend some time together while I'm out oh, there. Excellent. Yeah, I'd love that. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. If anybody wants to reach you, you already shared how to get a hold of you guys for coaching. Is that the best way to reach out to you guys? Or what's the better way to reach you if somebody just has questions about maybe running the ops side of their business? Yeah. So it's Melanie at atkinsonteam.ca, M-E-L-A-N-I-E at A-T-K-I-N-S-O-N team, T-E-A-M.ca. Myself's 403-795-2299. Okay. Melanie, thanks so much for being on the Grit Podcast. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on today's show. We will catch you next week on the next episode of Grit. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.